0: Welcome to a special edition of the Inciting Event. I am your host, Zachary Steele, and though I'm actually on break from podcasts until the beginning of the year, I do have a very special uh, episode that I do want to drop. Um, I am celebrating the pre-release of my new novel, Perfectly Normal, which is out on audiobook and ebook at the moment, while we await a March 19th, 2024 hardback release. Um, in the meantime, I do have some special editions that are limited in quantity and numbered that we are selling, the publisher is selling uh, between now and then. And to commemorate the launch of the ebook and audiobook and the special edition, I have done a few events. And there's one event in particular that I'm just I was very excited about and am very happy to have been able to do. and that's with my um, spirit child, Sadie, who, decided she wanted to interview me a day after her 13th birthday to talk about Perfectly Normal and the journey of Nate Alexander, who is a young man who has chromesthesia and is autistic, a very gifted musician whose life is about to get a little more different than he is used to, and um, I am happy today to share with you the um, entirety of the conversation I had with her at Foxtail Bookshop in Woodstock, Georgia. A uh, wonderful bookstore with wonderful people, and um, I hope that you enjoy this episode. And if you are interested in purchasing special edition of Perfectly Normal, Foxtail Bookshop does have signed copies. I also do have some available through my website at com. Well, welcome. I'm sure there's going to be more folks coming in. It's hard to find parking today. Um, And it's raining. And we've got this festival going on. But we also have the best thing going on in Woodstock. And that is we have Zachary Steele in the house. So um, (laughs) author of four books, maybe seven. But he's only telling us about four. Um, (laughs) um, Does a whole bunch of stuff with Foxtail, for which we are eternally grateful. Um, I can't wait to read the new book. Um, Wave of Ashes was fabulous. And this one sounds amazing. So I'm going to take, uh, let these folks take over. Um, Zachary and Sadie, um, take it away. Tell thank us. You much. Thank you. Um, first and foremost, thank you to Foxtail, uh, wonderful bookstore. And um, if you have a chance to, obviously I want you to buy my book, but buy other books too. Support support this and other indie bookstores. Um, so um, it's it's been kind of a long road to get here for for Perfectly Normal. Um, I feel like it's been a better part of my life uh, trying to work through this one, but um, I'm very excited to have it out. Um, If you're not familiar with Perfectly Normal, it's a story of Nate Alexander, who's a a 16-year-old who has chromesthesia, which is seeing color for sound, and is also autistic. Um, He's an extremely gifted musician, so his world is this beautiful array of color um, for every sound and every note um, for every voice. Um, and he uh, he has a very structured life that is disrupted when he meets a new student, uh, an openly gay student named Julian Mack that comes to school. And it introduces Nate to um, a different way of seeing the world and um, begins his journey of, of self-discovery. And um, it's a very personal story for me. Um, I I think I may love these characters more than any other characters that I have created, um, and I hope that I hope that everybody enjoys reading it as well. Um, I am going to read just a little bit before we get started with our interview. I am very very happy to have um, Sadie Wilson today interviewing me, um, and um, look forward to seeing what. what that is- <laughs> the chaos that comes with it, yes. yes exactly. i have audience for this now, okay. Yes, <laughs> yes. that's <is> important. Nope. <laughs> All right, um, so this is an introduction to Nate, and um, it's a little bit of information about um, his early days, and then we, we meet him uh, going into a day. For his seventh birthday, Nate asked for crayons. When pressed for other gift ideas by his mother, he repeated his wish, stating that he wanted to be able to name the colors. On his birthday, he received a 120 pack of crayons, six coloring books, and two puzzle books with mazes. Nate immediately emptied the crayons on the family room carpet despite his father's protest, sorting them into color groups in a circle around him, from blues to greens to yellows to purples to reds to browns to black, white, and gray. Overwhelmed by the volume of colors, despite the pleasant waxy odor, Nate fidgeted in place, plucking similar shades from each color group, casting them into the box. After reorganizing the remainders, he studied them for five minutes, gently humming a repeating scale of notes. His mother offered him the coloring books as he analyzed the crayons, but he shook her off. After several more attempts, his parents watched as he judiciously reduced the circle of crayons to 24. These are the colors. He announced, and he handed over the excess, excitement unleashed at a knee-bound bounce and flapping of arms. His enthusiasm met with joy from his mother and frustration from his father, who suggested they take the full 120-count back for a refund so they could buy the 24-pack Nate had unknowingly identified. His mother found an appropriately-sized plastic bin for his chosen collection of crayons. Weeks passed as his mother continued to push the coloring and puzzle books on Nate. He politely refused with a no thank you every time, honoring his mother's insistence that he always be thankful for the kindness, interest, and ideas of others. Finally, he asked for a piece of black felt and glue so he could place them in order and see them collectively rather than dig them out as needed. Are you sure you want to do that, sweetie? You won't be able to color with them if they're glued to something. Nate wasted little time considering his decision. I don't want to color with them. I want to be able to name the colors. That way I know what color the sounds are. What color what sounds are? What do you mean, honey? The colors, you know, when there's sound. Your voice is a blue-green, of course, which makes sense. That's my favorite color. His mother waffled between confusion and concern, planning instead upon absolute joy that she was her son's favorite anything, which only served to demonstrate to Nate for the first time in his life that identifying sound by its color wasn't something everybody else did. What seemed perfectly normal became abnormal and odd, especially when his father learned about it. For Christmas that year, his mother bought Nate a square, black frame shadow box and encouraged him to display the crayons on the wall of his room. Despite his father's protest, Nate was overjoyed and pleaded for his help in hanging the crayons on the wall above the headboard above his bed. It hung there for five years. On his 13th birthday, against his mother's wishes, he took it down to appease his father, who insisted the teenage boys didn't have crayons, much less crayons displayed in a box above their bed. When his father brought an empty box to his room to donate the shadow box and other childhood items, such as a few stuffed animal friends he'd had for years, Nate put the shadow box at the bottom, layering it with stuffed animals and clothes he'd grown out of. Once his father left the room, Nate dug out the shadow box and hid it under his bed, surrounded by the few stuffed animals he wanted to keep. It wasn't the most perfect hiding places, but his quick action without argument seemed to convince his father that Nate was on board. It was unlikely he'd ever checked. He rarely came in the room as it was. To ensure the matter went uninvestigated, Nate sealed up the box and handed them to his mother within earshot of his father, announcing the donations were ready to be taken away. His mother never checked the contents, taking them immediately to the trunk of her car without question. At dinner that night, she told Nate she dropped it off at Goodwill. His father was pleased. It was never brought up again. Even when his mother checked under his bed later in the week, supposedly looking for more laundry, When she stood, she smiled, winked, and left the room with his laundry basket. Though he had long since memorized the colors, incorporating them into his daily life, into the classical and orchestral works he found great joy in, there was something symbolic and important about keeping the crayons, about the subterfuge, about his connection to his mother, to his past, to the day he realized he wasn't like everyone else, the day he realized he wasn't normal. His mother's color was blue-green, His father's was red-orange. Nate looked for both everywhere, in every sound, every voice, incorporating one family of colors while avoiding the other. The alarm sounded at precisely seven in the morning. Nate silenced it with a blind tap, following with another to the static track of the white noise machine. The room filled with sound, birds chirping, a car driving by the front of his house, his mother in the kitchen washing dishes. The rattle of the vent cover as the heater warmed the room. One minute later, timed by ten slow breaths of six seconds each, Nate sat up and opened his eyes. From the distance each sound, the white wall ahead, framed by a gurgling 55-gallon aquarium atop a rustic oak hutch, remained clear. Any spike in the volume of these sounds, such as the clink of dishes against one another or loud tailpipe of a passing truck, registered as a muted flash of color. Nate took two minutes to enjoy the calm, considering the day's schedule while following the pass of the two discus fish that had been his roommates and friends for four years. Watching them swim gave life to a wide smile. Good morning, Sebastian. Good morning, Wolfgang. I'm sorry to say that it's back to school for me today. Winter break is over. Be grateful that your biggest concern is the level of poop you have to swim through. I'm not sure either of you would enjoy school. That is to say, school as in education, not the group that you swim in. She probably would prefer that to being in a tank. With a simple laugh, Nate rose, stretched, and lowered to a seat on the worn beige carpet. Even though Sebastian and Wolfgang were the closest thing to pets they had ever owned, Nate insisted friends should never be considered pets. It had always smelled a dog. His parents claimed they couldn't smell it, but he could. He always could. From underneath the bed, he moved Mulligan the stuffed hound and Jerry the giraffe aside to reveal his black-framed shadow box. It slid easily. Its distance from the bed measured perfectly to allow the square box to fit between his legs and the dangling gray curtain of bed sheets. The set of crayons looked, the set of crayons looked as new as the day they were placed behind the glass, neatly lined in four rows of six. The lead position was taken by indigo, the color Nate had always loved the most. From there, they moved through blues, then greens, to yellows and oranges, then reds to grays, white, brown, and black. In truth, his preference would have been to place the reds last, ending in red-orange, but the transition of colors would have been disrupted. Chaotic. Nate ran his fingers along the frame as he focused the range of blues to greens for a minute. Studying the colors brought a sense of calm, a center to begin his day. He exhaled, then returned the box to its safe place, the guardian duo Mulligan and Jerry back on duty at the front, sides and rear guarded by other fuzzy family members still in hiding. Five minutes into his day, he gave himself over to the system. After feeding Sebastian and Wolfgang a teaspoon of fish flakes, as instructed by the container, (laughs) Nate collected a pile of folded clothes off his dresser, chosen the night before. long sleeve white and royal blue striped golf shirt, the darker jeans that fit loose against his bony legs and waist, knee-high tube socks with the royal stripes, and snug solid blue underwear. All would go well, with the denim jacket with the gray cotton sleeves and hoodie. That jacket <laughs> It's not very interesting. Much as she had with the system in general, his mother implemented the selection of clothes the night before to help alleviate the anxiety brought on by indecision against the pressure of the ticking clock. After all, choosing clothes was a process. It took time. His mother said it was an important part of the system that helped to keep him calm, and so Nate relied upon it. Clothes in hand, it was time to move on to the next stage of the system. An impossible task, as it happened, as his sky blue shoes were not on the shelf in the closet where they belonged. They were gone. Not in his room. Pressure tightened in his chest, the search for the shoes bordering on frantic. They were supposed to be there. They were always supposed to be there. I was the system. Clothes on the dresser, shoes on a vertical shelf just inside the closet, the sky blue in their place at the top, indicating favorite status. Nate's mind whirred, trying to remember where he'd seen them last. Could he have gone to sleep without ensuring they weren't where they should have been? Stupid, stupid, stupid. Nate's hands flexed tight around the folded clothes, breath drawing in rapid bursts. He was losing valuable time. The system required everything to go as planned, or there wouldn't be enough time to practice his piece on the keyboard. He only had 25 minutes as it was. He needed his mother. She could figure it out. She could make it right. No. No. Nate pushed it away, determined to figure it out on his own. His mother called it self-management, an effort on its part to learn how to manage disruptions in the routine, to stave off meltdowns when she wasn't there to assist. Under his breath, Nate worked through it, pacing the floor of the room, one hand tight to the back of his neck. Shoes. Where are my shoes? Where are they? I had them. I wore them yesterday. Yesterday. I had them yesterday. They should be here. They must have been here last night. Except they couldn't have been, his mother's voice replied within, or they would be here now. Blue-green, calming, centering, think, Nate closed his eyes. Okay, think, if they were here last night, I would see them now, so they couldn't have been here. That checks out. So I must have forgotten to look last night, just like the last time they weren't here, when they were in the family room where I took them off, when Dad said he was tired of picking them up. Oh, right. Nate rushed to the closed door, hand tight on the knob, a risen voice beyond, forcing him to a stop. An inch parted from the doorframe. Hops of his father's red-orange fired against the white wooden surface of the door, followed by a series of blue-greens from his mother's sharp reply. They were fighting. Again. About him. Again. All right. What you got? Question time now, I see. Yes. So what's your favorite color? <laughs> it's like a question about the book. What's the book's favorite color? What's <laughs> <laughs> the book's favorite color? You know, it's an interesting question, actually. I don't know if the book itself has a favorite color. I know Nate does. Um, Nate's definitely in the blue family. But um, it's just it's very, very interesting question because this book deals so much with color. Um, If you're not familiar with chromesthesia, um, it's a branch of synesthesia. And synesthesia is effectively sensory swap. Like you might um, see a color for an item or um, meeting somebody may evoke a smell or um, something to that effect. It's just sensory swap. Um, In fact, the two most popular, not popular, but the most prominent forms of synesthesia, or one is chromesthesia, which is in more people. And then, um, it is grapheme color synesthesia, which is seeing black letters as colored, which would be quite the experience. Uh, those are the, the two most prevalent. And, um, I, I did a lot of research on that after I had already developed the, the core of the story. Um, cause I was fascinated by it. I, I ended up, um, going down a YouTube rabbit hole, which is I think a common way of researching these days. And uh, I I discovered this um, young woman uh, by the name of Kate Hova, who is out of California and she is a musician, a violinist. um, And she is also a synesthete and and she has chromesthesia. And she did these fabulous videos and two Ted talks on chromesthesia. Um, She and her husband built this violin that spiked colors For different notes and though that didn't represent what what she saw um it did give you an idea of the the different colors for notes um and um i i i don't know i just one day just decided you know she would be an excellent person to talk to if she would actually talk so i sent an email because i mean what's the worst you can hear is nothing and um uh, about seven days later she got back to me and we ended up coordinating a conversation and i got to talk to her for an hour and um Uh, I think I won her over because I told her it was very important to me that I portrayed chromesthesia as a very authentic experience, um, to which she openly stated in the very beginning, was like, I'm glad that you're doing that, but please know that this is different for everybody. So authentic for one person is going to be inauthentic for another. Um, But um, but we definitely enjoyed that. And I think she was a, a a big part of what helped me define chromesthesia. And I I definitely recommend if you have questions about it, Caitlin Hova, H-O-V-A, you can find her on YouTube. Why are the parents arguing about Nate? Um, All right, so um, in addition to chromesthesia, Nate is autistic and um, Nate was not officially, has not officially been diagnosed autistic, but um, his mother, Kind of put it together and did her own research and when she was 10 had some experiences or when he was 10 she she observed some experiences that let her know that he was in fact autistic and a couple of years she waited a couple years and and then had a talk with him about it um she believes in it wholly and supports him and has created this this system of routines and, um, something to help manage expectations so that Nate knows what's coming and knows where things are supposed to be and doesn't have the, the pressure of having to make a decision in a split second. Um, so she is very much his guardian, his advocate, and his teacher, um, his father, on the other hand, yes, does not believe in either. He he um, sees them both very much as in his words, bullshit. They are not something that um, uh, any normal person would claim to have. And um, he is definitely on a quest for Nate to be that normal son that he always envisioned for himself that would sit there and watch football games with him and, and cut up and not go hide away in a room or be immersed in music all the time or um, not listen to the music his father loves. Um, and so it, it definitely creates tension between the parents that um, sort of pulls them apart in the very beginning of the story, which leads Nate into a very drastic change in his world that he has to adjust to. Aside from the family drama, does Nate have any friends? <laughs> Nate needs <to> have friends <laughs> um as i as I mentioned, um, the characters in this book, I, I I would rate them as possibly my favorite. It's tough. It's close. Um, Nate has a best friend named Michelle who has been his friend since they were in diapers. And um Michelle is um, a self-professed amazonian baptist um and there's a lot more to that statement but I, i'll let her tell it um she is fiery curly red hair and floral print dresses and um we uh we definitely must abide by the word of god um and and she is Nate's protector at school and um his guide as well they have a very interesting form of communication that um revolves around certain looks that she has as well as a sequence of tapping that pass along a message like if nate's about to say something and she knows he's about to say something he shouldn't say she might three taps on his desk and he's like okay so don't say that right um and and she is she's wonderful she's intelligent and sassy and, and beautiful to the core um, he has another friend named scott Stansel who fancies himself, a a YouTube influencer. Um, not pointing that out for any particular (laughs) reason at all. Um, but, uh, he is a lot of energy. He, um, is, is not patient in any way whatsoever with Nate in the way Michelle is, but, um, but Nate, I think Nate adores him from that level of you fascinate me. Um, I will declare you my friend so that I may observe you more often. Um, but, um, Scott Stansel is actually, I will say, is named almost named after a, a friend of mine who um, introduced me to the world of social media and was very much a lot like this. Um, and then, uh, and then, of course, there's Julian Mack who enters into the story after we've experienced some of Nate at school, and um, Julian uh, is a very clean cut and well dressed refined, well-spoken, intelligent young man who takes a, an immediate fancy to Nate um, and Nate to him as well. and um, Julian, I don't want to say too much, but but Julian um Julian has his secrets and he, he guards them carefully um but he he dances the line well as he tries to incorporate Nate more into his life. So those are, those are his friends. Um, I would say his mother is also his friend. Um, his fish are his friends. Um, and uh, he has a very close relationship to his music. Yeah. Who's your favorite character, actually? My favorite character. I, w- I will exclude Nate, because <laughs> Nate has to be my favorite character. Um, I think Julianne is my favorite character. Mm-hmm. And I think because in, in Julian there is a lot... That, that sort of hides in us all and um, I, I believe that he is a, a character that um, evokes a sense of sympathy on both ends of the story um, and I, I I really adore him he's also um, very witty with his comebacks and doesn't take doesn't take anything from anybody pretty fishy question why did you pick uh the fish that I can't really say the name of, discus there. Discus, there, there you go. You said it. Um, uh, well, I wanted Nate to have a big aquarium mm-hmm. um, because that seemed very Nate. And um, discus fish do require at least a 55 gallon aquarium. So that fit well. But mm-hmm. largely discus are um, very well known, not just for being uh, kind of patient and calm fish, but also very colorful. Mm-hmm. And when they are stressed, or in a state of, of what is perceived to be high emotion, they can actually change colors. And so Nate would be intrinsically fascinated with anything that could change colors because he sees them so often. Um, I, 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 I do love that he named them Wolfgang and Sebastian. Um, and um and he, he definitely loves his fish mm-hmm. quite a lot. <laughs> <clears throat> I like music a lot. How much does Nate like music? Uh, music is everything to Nate. Um, so much so that um, it, it sort of overwhelms the need for any other relationships beyond his friends. And um, he, he is solely and entirely focused upon music. It is very much a special interest. Very much something that he learns and knows inside and out and um he uh he the thing about this music has always been a huge part of everything that i've written. the weight of ashes if you read that there's a lot to do with music in that um this story itself originated from one song and a scene that developed around it um no spoilers there i would tell you um but i i view as everybody should music to be a very transformative thing that we experience as we grow older and and the music that we listen to helps define who we are as a person um you know some people will listen to british indie pop <laughs> uh, and rock indie rock sorry not pop that's right there's a difference um, you know, others grew up listening to grunge metal and and glam, glam metal. That's I wonder that's who. I wonder who. I don't know, it was Kevin, I think. Well called <laughs> out. Um, but um, but I wanted I wanted not only to, to express Nate's passions through music, but I also wanted to be able to showcase that you know being autistic does not negate having the, the growth and experience of being a child to is becoming an adult, um, that you can have these transformations, whether it's through music or whether it's through art or whether it's through television or whether it's through friends or whatever it happens to be, that you can have these transformations every bit like every other kid. Um, it is, it is a very similar path, just, just different, you know, and, um, music was the vehicle for me to be able to do that with Nate and to be able to show his growth um, from the the sort of protective bubble that his mother has created out of necessity to what might ultimately be the bubble that Nate is able to create for himself. What's his favorite song? It's his favorite song. Um, before this story, I would say his favorite song would have been Pretty much all of the classical works he listens to, because I don't think you could get him to actually isolate one such Now, what is his favorite song today is a mm-hmm. different question. Ah, yeah. But um, his favorite song through the story mm-hmm. um is Faith by George Michael. And okay. it, it was something as he's beginning to experience a different type of music outside of his norm. It was something that both from a color standpoint and from uh, a rhythm standpoint, that spoke to him. And he gets very excited about George Langle. I mean, who doesn't? I, feel, <laughs> I mean, fair enough. Like, yeah. <laughs> What's his favorite subject? His favorite subject. At school. His favorite subject at school. Not that's type like, of food. That's... <laughs> okay. I don't know what his favorite type of food is. That's a good question, though. Answer. Um, no, his favorite subject at school is um, he is taking musical theory as a junior in high school, and his favorite teacher is Miss Davenport. And Mrs. Davenport is um, very reminiscent of his mother, although um, in a very different way in that she, she relates to him through music, and through his experiences with music, um, and she's always seen him as uh, easily her best student, which is something that Nate is very proud of, um, but then she begins to learn more about him as a musician, and uh, she uh, she sees him very differently, and, and, and guides him in a very different way, but I think the ra- rankings of teachers begin with Miss Davenport, and then there is a very long gap before you get to number two why did you name the book perfectly normal and i am i perfectly normal you are perfect i don't know about that one (laughs) but okay (laughs) um i i don't it was just one of those moments i i mean the section i just read um i think is probably where it came from because um it states the line in there what was perfectly normal for everyone else was or was for, for what everyone else was not for him. Um, like the entirety of this book, I feel like I was chasing the definition of the word normal. What is normal? And um, I have a few characters doing this dance with Nate, trying to define what it is because he doesn't understand that his father wants him to be normal, but he, he doesn't know what that means. For, you know, he knows what his father says it means. He knows what he's supposed to do, but he doesn't know what it means. And um, I think by the end of it, I I decided that for me there is no real definition for normal. And um, I think his mother even says at one point that it, it's it's just what others perceive as normal based on their own experiences and 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 what they know of themselves and so it isn't really something that you can apply to somebody else because it's only normal to you um and so therefore with Nate and with everybody else I feel like in your own world you're perfectly normal exactly and um I definitely believe Nate is um was that, that was the end of your questions, wasn't it? Yeah. Nope, it is. That's what you do when you're done with your good questions. questions. Um, I'll pick that up later. <laughs> oh, <yay. laughs> um does anybody else have any questions?
1: What percentage of
0: the population has chromosis? Oh, okay. <laughs> Very good question. Google Um so um okay, so we'll start with autism. Yeah. The CDC, the most recent data with uh, with autism was in 2020, and it's one in 36 kids are actually diagnosed autistic, yeah. and that's that's um, that's um, ten years before it was one in 68. So either A, it's becoming more prominent, or B, we're just we're we're noticing it more, we're testing for it more, um, and it was always that prominent. Um, we're also accepting it, which is also a big thing that is part of this story. Um, the interesting thing about autism and chromesthesia is that, um, make sure I get these numbers right. Um, one in five, so just about 20% of autistics do experience some form of synesthesia. Um, however, um, one in 25 neurotypicals, meaning if you're not on the neuro first spectrum, um, one in twenty-five uh, experience some form of synesthesia, so it's way more um, uh, part of the autistic brain than it is the neurotypical brain, uh, and and a lot of that has to do, based on on the research that I've read, um, a lot of that has to do with the fact that um, autism, in a very basic sense, is is brain being wired differently and so it is already open to the possibility of a sensory swap versus the way a a neurotypical brain is centered yay science yeah (laughs) science and data science class (laughs) analytics yay maths yes ma'am do you did do you or did you have a personal relationship with someone that has, um, is autistic or has these other um, issues, or is I mean, I'm just wondering how we developed this thought. Yeah, yeah, um, I, I, I do have a personal connection yep. to it. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> <laughs> I'm not gonna name names, maybe not. <laughs> might be, might be here at some point, or maybe right now, you never know. Um, and it's interesting. It's interesting. I've, I've, and I use this word very seriously. This is the exactly right word. I've had the privilege of being a part of Justice Sadie's life for the last three years. I'm here. And, um, I started this story and, and Nate was even going down the path of being autistic before I met them. So it wasn't directly influenced by, you know, being in an environment where I experienced it every day. Um, But um, I will say I have learned a lot through this time and um, I'm very grateful for that opportunity. And the more that I got to know just in learning on my own, the more important it became to me for every autistic person to be able to represent them in um, in, in an authentic way but also a favorable way because it has been far too easy through the years for storytellers to write autistics in um, an inaccurate way. And they don't embrace the full level of joy that can be expressed through an autistic. And all of the, the things that that happen when Um, that hyper moment of absolute joy is expressed is unlike anything I've ever seen. And um, I felt like that's what I want people to know, that it isn't about being a savant. It isn't about, you know, talking to yourself or mumbling or being monotone, or um, it's not even about not understanding social cues. It's, It's really about the beauty that exists within the autistic mind then and the autistic heart that that I love so much. Okay. I take it Nate did not have a sibling. Uh they did not have a sibling. No. Uh I, I I felt like that was a choice of just simplicity in the story. Um and also um he would have been quite a handful for both of his parents at a young age. And I could see them deciding that like Nell saying, like, uh, all of my focus is already here. I can't do this beyond this. Um, uh, but but that's why I wanted him to have a friend that he had known since childhood. Of uh, what you were reading, serve, the, the, you had the mindset really confirmed. Like, I was in that mindset. Was that something that like draft one, you kind of had that, or did you have to work up to getting the mindset flushed out through multiple drafts? Yeah, how fast that came to you. Yeah, okay, so um, you you. you know this as as a writer, and there's a few writers in this room, and um, one of the things that's very important, it's vital when you're creating a character is to create an emotional connection between the reader and that character, to create the emotional depth that allows you to pour yourself into them, or them to pour themselves into you, and um that's that was challenging for a character that is somewhat emotionally flatlined, you know, that that there isn't a lot of emotional expression in in Nate. Um there is some. Uh so it was it was a challenge to do it and get it right. And it took um going through a few drafts to to reach that point of feeling comfortable with it, and then working with multiple editors at the publishing house to ensure that we were, we were expressing Nate and, and the emotion that does exist, but maybe doesn't show itself um, properly. So it was, it was, it was a challenge. And, and I, I believe that um, there is a lot of emotional depth in Nate through his love for music and his friends and, um and definitely. Mm-hmm. Any other questions? Yes, sir. So aside from you having a better understanding or being your head around this concept of neurodiversity, how would you say that writing this book has changed into to wider? Okay. So another level of autism that I think is beautiful is the hyper sense of empathy that exists. Um this this connection um and understanding that 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 seems to exist with with autistics and and i i feel like if anything i have become more aware of that and um through my own experiences have learned or am learning shall we say that um, yeah. there are, there are different ways to handle situations then I may have handled them in the past. And it's interesting because as a writer, I'm supposed to see through all the lenses of my characters. I'm supposed to have that sense of empathy for them and through them so that I understand their worldview above mine. Um, And and I find that to be a very difficult thing to do in my personal life. Um, And I feel like if anything, it's opened me up to that a little bit more dreamed oh, love it. it. I about I've it. seen that lobby. I don't think I have. I actually don't. It's 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 a rare day when I wake up and remember my dreams at all. Um, I I know there are people who dream a lot, and certain people who have long, long stories about their dreams. And I'm like, surely you're making this up. Um, <laughs> but um, I don't, I don't actually think I've ever had a dream with a character, but. I do spend an inordinate amount of time in my head, letting things play out in a an awake kind of dream. <laughs> what I think you call those fantasies. I'm not sure, um, but uh, but no, I, I I that's the only place that they have lived outside of the pages in my head while I'm awake. What's next for you? What's next for me? Um, I I do have a um, fantasy series that is. Um, Hopefully we be under contract soon, Um, which I'm very excited about. The first book is called Fallen Hero, and it's about a young boy who discovers that his favorite fantasy series of books is a real world and that he is actually from it Um, and that all of the machinations of everything going around him, going on around him, are all connected to this mysterious figure known as the storyteller. Oh no! Um, and uh, a lot of it is a, a metaphor about writing. Um, the rest of it is just me living an adventure that I wish I could have lived as a child. Dun, dun, dun. And I then um, the the next book that I'm going to start writing soon that will go to this publisher and follow this book is right now. I'm just calling it home, and it's uh, about four siblings who are coming home. There's another sibling there as well. Um, their mother is being placed on hospice and is in her final days. And so they're coming home to all be together. Um, and they are five siblings who could not be any more different than one another and want different things and have gone out to explore different things or stayed home for reasons. And, um, I wanted to be able to one, tell a very big story about a family family having to come together in a, in a a tough time, but even more so I wanted to um, continue the theme of exploring a word and, and try to have these characters define what home means to them. Um, Is it the childhood home? Is it the home that you live in? Is it not a home at all? Is it a person, you know, that kind of thing. Um, And it's, it's really interesting because the weight of ashes is a book that is very expressly about family and grief. And perfectly normal is about defining the word normal. And now all of a sudden, I'm taking grief and a definition and putting it together. I think I've created a theme Uh um, that I I may be following. But but I'm very much looking forward to it. And it's been on the back burner for a very long time. uh, And I finally have an opportunity to write it. Any other questions, which, thank you. You guys have had some wonderful questions. Yeah, no, these were good, man. Can you talk a little bit about Hogan? Yes, thank you. The party? What? <laughs> um, all right, so um, The Weight to of Ashes took place in a small fictional rural town named Hogan. Oh. And uh, there you go. <laughs> so he has has joined the party. Yep. You've joined the chat. Yep, I have. Um. Uh, perfectly normal also takes place in Hogan. Now, the Weight of Ashes was in 1989. This one is in 2016. So there's 25 years apart here. Um, and the reason that I did that, and and then Home will also be in Hogan a couple years later. Um, that too. Um, but uh, the reason that I did this, and I, I think in the last event I dubbed this the Hogan verse, kind of like Marvel universe. But um, I want I I love the concept of a place being a character and i wanted to be able to explore uh, especially having grown up in two different rural towns that um that that feeling of connectivity that exists in, in a very small rural place but also through the growth of time um to see what happens to it and the people who live in it so if you read the weight of ashes there will be some familiarity in this one You don't have to have read The Weight of Ashes, though you should um, to 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 understand any of it. Um, But it's just like, uh, again, I go back to Marvel, you know, in in the way that the stories sort of seamlessly connect. But you don't have to have seen all of them to understand what's going on. Um, And I I love that concept and wanted to do that. Thank you. Any other questions? Say, do you have any other questions? Books books that is not a question um (laughs) statement that is a statement very good (laughs) um well um thank you all for coming but i i i also have two things one i want to thank sadie for coming up here in this last minute decision to do the fabulous job and i really i said this online and i really cannot imagine a greater honor than being able to share this book with you sitting next to me yay and then because i know it'll embarrass them ter- terribly yesterday was sadie's 13th birthday and today is jess's room birthday <laughs> uh, I'd like to, i would like to just wish them both a very happy birthday um, Teen new teenager here Concerning, and, and uh, right. I'm I'm grateful for them dedicating some of their birthday weekend to this event. Well, <laughs> it's been a pleasure. I mean, excellent. You're British, aren't you? Not very British. <laughs> um, I don't know. All right. Well, um, there are books here. This is a special edition. It's limited. It'll only be. It's only out now, and and the the hardback release will officially come out March 19th. But um, I will be happy to to sign some. Um, please support Fox Tale and buy that and other books. And um thank you all for coming. Yeah, thank juice. I'm gonna book it now. In fact.